good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, alongside me as usual, CFP, Allison DeBrill. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air, 627 7979. That's 627 7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interests ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at six o'clock, and that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area as we can achieve your measure of financial success, because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it is a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. you got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone, give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, uh, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, Retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 43Bs, TSP, IRAs, Roth IRAs, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance. We are here to discuss this evening, 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. We are going to spend tonight talking about one of my favorite topics. I know I always say this, but I'm a cat. Oh, yes. How did you know? (laughs) I know that's one of your favorite topics. That's for sure. Well, everyone thinks I'm a crazy cat lady, but I only have one cat and I'm married. So I don't think I'm like the crazy cat lady. But everyone, every time I get a gift, it's cat related. (laughs) So I have cat everything. You name it. All right. Don't change the dial. We are not going to talk about cats. I was just kidding. I already got going. You already got me talking about it. Uh, No, my other favorite topic when it relates to uh, financial planning is social security because it applies to all of us. It is complicated and it's a huge, important decision. So we want to jump into Social Security benefits, how to understand them, how it works, and some ideas around when to claim and when not to claim tonight. Right. We will uh, jump into that and set the stage for that discussion after we get to our first caller. So as promised, when we get a call on the line... We're going to pause what we're doing and speak with George in Hampton now. Good evening, George. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. How can we help you? Yes, uh, I used to work in the post office. And uh, one day I saw on my foot and I couldn't work. 
so eventually I took disability, uh, and then the doctor wouldn't sign my paperwork, so I was forced to re- retire. And someone told me recently, this happened a little over five years ago, someone told me, oh, you still might be entitled to social disability. So I'm trying to get some information because uh, I, I left on a disability. Am I entitled to any Social Security disability? Yeah, and how old I, are I you, George? I'm 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 uh, 78. And when was it that you uh, weren't able to work anymore? It had to be over five to seven years ago. You know, when you get my age, your memory is the first thing to go. Okay. And when did you say that when you couldn't work anymore, you tried to pursue disability benefits, but you couldn't no. qualify? My job, I had to work. short-term disability. Right. So I, I, I took the short-term disability. But short-term. I got to a point, my doctor wouldn't sign the paperwork to receive my money, so I was forced to retire. Okay. And have you already claimed your Social Security retirement benefit? I, I, I received I've been receiving Social Security. Uh, I didn't wait until I was uh, 65. I took it early because I didn't think the Social Security would be around. But I took it. I've been receiving it. They cut it in half. Once I retired, they cut it in half because they said I work in the post office. I told them, hey, that didn't matter. You forced me to, to give up Social Security money, too. Oh, because of your pension with the post office. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to know. Am I entitled to disability? Uh, because I, I was forced to retire. On, 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 I, I went out on disability. And I was forced to retire because the doctor wouldn't sign my paperwork. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Well, yes. If you pay into Social Security, there is a disability Social Security benefit and a retirement benefit. And when disability social security kicks in is when you are unable to work before your full retirement age. That's when you can get a disability benefit. But if you've already claimed your retirement benefit, then you have you've already accessed all the the benefit that would be available to you through social security. I can't get an increase in payment. Because, uh, like I said, they cut it almost in half. I can't increase the amount they give me. Yeah, so I think you're talking about two different things. There's the Mm. disability benefit through Social Security, which is what you can claim if if you can't work before your Social Security retirement benefit turns on. But you turned that on at 65, so that... That's already taken care of, and there would be no additional disability benefit available. I think what you're talking about is the the government pension offset, that once you claimed your Postal Service pension, your Social Security went down, and there's not a whole lot around that offset. I know that's something that affects a lot of people, and it's always up for discussion. Um, they're always trying to get that those rules changed, but it, as of right now, it has not been changed. All right. Thank you. All right, George, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 627-7979. We're going to go out to Virginia Beach now and speak with Paul. Good evening, Paul. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Hi, George. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 
Uh, Paul, uh, you can listen through the uh, telephone and you can talk to us now. So turn down your radio, turn off your radio, and listen right through the phone. Paul, are you there? Uh, yeah, yes, I am. There we go. Okay. Um, this is a general question. I've got a, I, uh, I'm retired uh, on, on Social Security, basically no other income. I, I do have IRAs, etc. But uh, last year I had a, a huge capital gain on uh, mutual funds, which is going to cost me in taxes. Uh, and now this year I, I noticed I've got an $11,000 loss on three companies, all of which I like, and I want, uh, shall I name the companies? Mm, not, not material, no. Oh, okay, fine. So uh, I'm thinking of selling them now to harvest the loss of about 11000 and uh, buying the same companies back in 31 days. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that is a good idea? Or should I just uh, buy and hold? I've always been a long-term investor. Yeah. I'm not a trader. Yeah. Okay. Well, conceptually, yes, we think that's a good idea. Um, you, how it works is you sell the stocks for presumably a loss, or is it? Are they in a loss position? First of all, Paul, and not just decline for, uh, in profit. No, they're in a loss position. Okay. Are they in an IRA or in a brokerage account? No, they're in a brokerage account. Yeah. Okay. So conceptually, you can sell the stocks for a loss, book that loss, and then write the loss off on your taxes against any gain you have uh, for this tax year. Um, and, uh, and then you can buy them back, as you point out, after 31 days, so you avoid any wash sale uh, rules there that would negate claiming that loss. However, you have to be out of those stocks for 30 days. And who knows what's going to happen f over those 30 days with those stock prices. So you take a risk of potentially selling out low and then buying back higher just to book a tax loss. So conceptually, yeah, the idea can be a good one. But in practice, mm, you're playing a little bit of a market timing game there, and that's not something that we generally would recommend. It's certainly not something we do in our practice. I would say invest for investing reasons and let the tax consequences sort of take care of themselves. Um, Unless you're you're selling for other reasons, like say you needed to create income to you know live off of through your investment portfolio, then it might be good to comb that investment portfolio, look for some investments that are in a loss position, sell those if it was appropriate, and and then you book that loss there and use that. Uh, to offset other gains. So, you know, it's a hard, we're, we're talking about a little bit of market timing here. We're talking about what's going to happen with the, the value of those stocks going forward. No one really knows that. So all I can say is conceptually, it's a good idea, but in practice, it could actually go against you. So be careful. I appreciate your help. 
All right, Paul, thanks for the question. I'm sure uh, there's many others in your your type of situation that are thinking the same thing. The market has been very volatile as of late. The worst I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Really? Well, well, you should have been here in 2008, 2009. Hang in there. Because that tops anything we're seeing now. Okay, thank you for your help. Thanks for the question, Paul. Yeah, there's oftentimes a lot of strategies you can use to try to mitigate taxes. Everybody loves to mitigate taxes. Everybody hates paying taxes. We are all united in that front. But is that really going to help you uh, achieve your true long-term goals? Or are you just letting the tax tail wag the dog? That's what we always try to bring it back to. Is this really helping you long-term with your rate of return? Or are we focusing a little bit too much on some of the details? All right, Todd, hang in there. We're going to have to take a short break. We're going to be right back after these messages. Get those calls in now, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. All right, Todd and Virginia Beach, thanks for hanging on the line patiently. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Yeah, hey, uh, so so I signed up for an IRA at uh, Navy Federal, uh, and I guess I got a notice where it's going to be maturing or I've got to roll it over. Um, so I guess it was just like a two-year thing. Uh, but I've been putting, uh, you know, after-tax dollars in it, and I guess I just didn't know how um, how IRAs work. So if I uh, if I cash that out, do I pay uh, fines and fees on my after-tax dollars? All right, let's set the stage a little bit. You open up an IRA at a bank at Navy Federal Credit Union. Um, it sounds like in that IRA you purchase CDs. Uh, like a two-year CD, um, and then you contributed, uh, well, I should say, for, before you purchased CD, you contributed after-tax dollars. These were not deductible contributions, correct? Correct. And it's not a Roth IRA. It's a traditional IRA, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And have you been keeping track of the contributions that you've made to that account, Todd? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, good. Um, Well, there are two different pieces at play here. So one is the the IRA wrapper and how your contributions are treated when you put them in and when you take them out. But the other is the the instrument within the IRA or the investment within the IRA, which it sounds like is the CD. So your, I think your initial question is, what happens when the CD matures? Do you have any tax consequences or penalties? Is that your question? Right. 
Yes. Okay. So when the, the CD matures, that means that you have just cash sitting in your IRA that you can then make a decision what to do with. You could put it into a new CD if that's what you wanted to do, or you could decide to put it in a different savings or investment vehicle, but it would stay in the IRA wrapper. So there would not be any well, I should say as long as it stays in the IRA wrapper, there would not be any tax consequences for you. So should I have been somehow uh, contributing uh, like a payroll deduction? Mm, I don't think that makes any substantial difference. Uh, you know, how you contribute, whether you wrote a check, transferred the money from a savings account, or did it through payroll deduction... Um, the fact that it's designated, uh, you were not able to deduct, to, to deduct the contributions due to income limitations. Right, Todd? Does that sound familiar? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and do you have a, a an employer-sponsored plan? Do you still work? And do you have a 401k oh, yeah, plan? Yeah, I, I still work. It was, yeah, it was just one of those Saturdays at the bank. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll sign up for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Well, all savings is good savings, yeah. so that's good. Right, and anyone can contribute to an IRA. The question just, is it deductible, non-deductible contribution, or Roth IRA contribution? Those are the three major distinctions of the types of IRA contributions that a person can make. So, like Allison said, any savings is good savings, but non-deductible IRA contributions come with some administration around them and some record keeping. And so it is important that you capture through your tax filing all of your non-deductible contributions to that IRA because when that money comes out of the IRA wrapper, that's when you are going to want a portion of that withdrawal is not going to be subject to taxes. And you have to have that documented on your tax return through the years in order to take advantage of that feature. And if you don't or don't capture that information or it gets lost through the years, then you run the risk of getting taxed on that money twice it got you got taxed on it when you it came out of, it, to you to you through a paycheck and when it comes out of the ira if you can't prove it was non-deductible then it will come out as taxable so that's what you have to be careful of and for, and for most people we don't generally recommend non-deductible ira contributions even though you can it's because the administration around it can be somewhat tedious and laborious and if you don't stay up with it you're going to get caught okay so yeah because that that's what i was kind of thinking so i was just going to kind of maybe cash it out and as long as i can deduct or, or or show them hey this was after tax dollars that i put in then they're only then they're only going to be looking at the interest that was earned Yes, if it's been in, an, in a CD, just earning interest, you're right. You would owe taxes and uh, penalties on any interest that you earned if you're under 59 and a half. Okay, okay. yeah, that's what I was looking at, and I just figured I'm going to try to get out of it just to save myself a headache down down the road. Is it what's a ballpark amount, Todd? two grand uh, okay. Yeah, that's not a huge dollar amount, so right. you know Do you have any other IRAs? 
no, I just I've got uh, the four hundred one k and a pension through the company. Okay. Are you eligible for Roth IRA contributions? Uh, maybe I don't know. You're not sure. Okay. All right, Todd, we got to wrap it up right here for the news no real quick. We'll try to follow up after the segment, give you a little bit more advice. But uh, for right now, we're going to take a break. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized, ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at Wealthway Advisors. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog boxes there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you are not so tech savvy and want to talk to a live human being, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at the office, 456-2200. Want to remind everybody, our next show will be on two weeks on Tuesday, May 24th at 6 p.m. as usual. Or if that doesn't suit your schedule, you can always get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Download us, take us with you wherever you go, listen on your own schedule. All right. We've been talking about, well, all sorts of things tonight, but we were kicking things off with Social Security. And I think if uh, our next caller is still on the line, there's a Social Security question for us. Okay, John, up in Hampton. Good evening. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. Hello. Hello. I uh, have been disabled for a long period of time, uh, and uh, when I was 69, they sent me a letter, Social Security did, uh, retiring me. I didn't ask for this, but uh, there it was. Now, I'm 77 years old right now. And I got a notification that the possibility of having to reapply uh, at 77 for a much a larger uh, payment. Is that possible? Hmm. Are you married, John? No, I'm single. Single. And when did you receive this notification? When I was... Uh, 69 years old. And at, so at 69, at 69, they said you may have to reapply for your benefits. No, they mentioned that I was retired. And like, <laughs> I didn't ask for this. 
Mm -hmm. I asked for retirement. Was that maybe just converting disability benefits to retirement benefits? Yes. Reclassifying them? Yeah. Do you know how old you were, John, when you claimed your disability benefits? Uh, I didn't. I didn't apply for disability. Uh, oh, you mean di oh, disability benefits. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, that was... Uh, uh, 80, uh, 87. Okay, so, so well before your full retirement age, well before 65. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, big picture how Social Security disability benefits work are if you are unable to work before you're eligible for a Social Security retirement benefit, you may be eligible for a disability benefit, which you qualified for, it sounds like, back in the 80s and you've been on. Once you reach your full retirement age, then disability benefits can typically, my understanding is, they convert automatically to retirement benefits. So it's still the same benefit amount, but it's class. it goes from being classified as disability benefits to retirement benefits. Now, I'm a little perplexed why that wouldn't have happened until age 70 or 69 or 70. And I don't know of any reason you would need to reapply for benefits at 77. Mm. Well, if that's not possible, uh, I won't try it. I'll just leave things the way they are. Well, I will say, John, it never hurts to contact the Social Security uh, office, uh, the a local office near you, make an appointment. They are now back in the offices for a long time due to COVID restrictions. Uh, they were all working remotely, but now a lot of offices are opening up. You could make an appointment at one near you, go in and talk to a Social Security um, professional face to face and they might want they might help you work through some of the nuances of your unique particular situation. Okay, I'll do that. All right, thanks for the call, John. Good luck to and you. Thank you. Um as you can see, uh social security is complicated. Mm -hmm. Um and a lot of people don't really appreciate how complicated it is until they go to apply for some form of benefit. So it's something that, uh, and I should add, while some people at the Social Security Administration are informed and well and knowledgeable about how the program works, even they, even some people who work for the administration aren't as expert as they should be about all the interworkings of the Social Security uh, program. So you should uh, tread carefully there. Um, try to get some other, do some of your own research. If you are a do-it-yourselfer, get up to speed on your options and or work with a financial professional who does this more routinely. 
Right. Ask asking questions, I think, is really important. And we've certainly have clients that have gotten have asked questions and gotten three different answers from Social Security, which can be very frustrating, but that's why it's never a bad idea to to do your own research and to have other professionals looking over your shoulder when you go to talk to the Social Security Administration. Mm -hmm. It's not to say they're not knowledgeable. There are some very knowledgeable people there, but there's a a lot of people there. You never know who you're going to talk to. There's a lot of people there, all right. All right. Thanks to uh, all the questions we have, we really haven't gotten to much or any of our Social Security material for this evening. But uh, I'm going to pause right here, take, uh, give you some Social Security fun facts, let's call them. As you might, as listeners might have uh, guessed, uh, Social Security program is pretty complicated. But there are three general types of benefits that you get through the Social Security benefit. Most of the time when we talk about Social Security, we're talking about the retirement benefits, those that you pay in through your payroll tax, your employer, you put in half, about 7.2%. Employer puts in about 7.2%. That goes into a a big pot up in Washington, D.C. And then when you claim your benefit, you get a pension or annuity for the rest of your life, retirement benefits. But there are also survivor benefits uh, and disability benefits benefits as well. Survivor benefits are if a worker, a person who's contributing to the Social Security uh, system, uh, passes away before they claim benefits, then their surviving spouse's spouse and or children are entitled, may be entitled to a benefit under their work record. And then the disability insurance, if you get classified as disabled through the Social Security Administration, then you can get a payment below the full below a retirement age of 62, um, and get that for a period of time uh, as well. It used to be very difficult in the past to get classified as disabled under the Social Security definition that has been relaxed a fair amount uh, through the years. Uh, okay, got another call on the line. We got uh, Wayne in Virginia Beach. Oh, we lost Wayne. Okay, then we're going to go to Joe in Norfolk. Good evening, Joe. Joe, you're on Dollars and Common Sense. How are you? Uh, yeah, I was just listening to your show, and I had a couple questions. Uh, well, actually, one. Uh, one. Uh, well, I've got uh, my retirement started, but I'm not quite 62, but my wife is. Uh, should we try to get her Social Security? Um, and mine would probably be quite bigger. Um, she worked some when she was younger, but not you know, mostly with the kids later. And then uh, you're, the other lady there mentioned something about an offset, which I heard about before, but I'm not real sure what that does uh, mm-hmm. as far as I just wonder if she could talk a little more about the offset. Sure, Joe. Let's tackle that first. Uh, what is, so you said you have a retirement, so are you receiving a pension income? Yes. Where is your pension through? What did you do? Um, uh, through the government government. Were you a GS employee? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you know if you were, are you under FERS or CSRS? FERS. FERS. Okay. So for FERS, uh, you've been paying into Social Security as long as you've been under FERS the entire time and there would, you should not be subject to a pension offset. Those that were under CSRS did not pay into Social Security the entire time and so their pension does reduce their Social Security benefit. 
but you should not have that problem if um, if you were under furs the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I when I first started, they were just switching to furs. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, at first, they didn't have a TSP. Um, right. And and uh, and then a little bit later, like that, later in the year, they uh, they they started it, and they let us double the TSP payments uh, uh, if you wanted to, because they started it later after we already started working. Doesn't know if that matters any. Hmm. Nope. Your TSP shouldn't impact your Social Security benefit in any way, and I think you're you don't have to worry about the government offset pension. So then we can kind of tackle your other question, which is a really big question: uh, Should yeah. your wife claim Social Security? Um, are do either of you have any earned income right now? Uh, just rental stuff. Rental. Rental. Okay, rental. Thank you. Um, okay, and do you need income on a monthly basis? Not really. Not really. I just didn't want to uh, not claim hers and thus miss out on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she didn't claim it until I claimed it, which probably would be later on when I get closer to uh, 65. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if it was a good th- way to proceed with that or should we go ahead and claim hers or what well it is a good question to ask Um, know that when you claim social security at 62 your benefit is reduced so it's it can be reduced by close to 30 percent if you claim at 62 for the rest of your life so Claiming early means a smaller benefit, but there can be good reasons to claim at 62. If you need the income, if that's your sole source of income and you need that to live, that can be a good reason. Um, Or if you maybe have health issues and are not sure that you'll live past your 80s and you want to just get your benefit today, that could be a reason to claim. Um, But you mentioned that she has her own benefit but your benefit is much higher. Do you know if your benefit is, do you know how much higher your benefit is than hers? Um, well, I know, like, for instance, she she worked for probably 10 to 15 years, and I worked about 43. Mm-hmm. So, Have you looked sure. at your statements and compared them? Social security statements, mm-hmm. I, I, it's been a while, but I have, and I know mine's a good bit more. Okay. And hers would be, yeah. Well, I ask because she will, she may have the option to claim her own benefit or a spousal benefit. So if she claims her own benefit, it would be whatever her Social Security statement says her benefit is at the age that she claims. But Mm -hmm. if, um, if her benefit is low because she doesn't have as many years of work, she may be entitled to a spousal benefit, which would be 50% of your benefit. But she can't get that until you turn yours on. So now we've got all these different factors factoring into when should you turn it on, when should she turn it on, and it's probably much more complicated than what we can solve for you on air today. Hence the complexity around the social security claiming decision. Um, but you'll need to look at, you know, whether her benefit is is higher than the spousal benefit, which would be 50% of yours, and that might give you some direction in in 
when to claim. She wouldn't miss out on hers, though, right? Once, once she claims it, she can never claim the spousal benefit. If she goes just hers, she's, she's not able to call, claim whichever the spousal is higher. benefit later. Well, see, it, now you can't claim a spousal benefit until the spouse turns on their benefit. You used to be able to claim your own and then switch to a higher spousal benefit. Um, I would want to I would want to double check that detail mm. for you, Joe, because there's been some law changes in the past few years where there used to be some creative strategies you could use, but a lot of those have gone away. And typically, when you claim early, you lock in that benefit, even if you would have had access to a higher benefit. So you want to be really careful before you claim her Social Security. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. Okay, that uh, that makes sense. It just uh, doesn't sound like for sure unless we check it out or something. Right. So you could call the Social Security Administration and they could walk you through all of your claiming options. Um, I recommend if you don't work with a financial advisor, consider working with a financial advisor on this because we know through our practice that looking at social security claiming strategies in a vacuum isn't always, um, it's not always, doesn't always lead you to the best strategy. It's really important to look at your entire financial situation together, which would include your rental income. It would include your investments and your nest egg and how much you need to live. And that could really drive. How old you are. Right. Are you married? How old is your spouse? Did your spouse work? How, how much did your spouse earn? Right. So looking at your entire financial situation may actually lead you to a different Social Security claiming decision than just looking at the Social Security numbers. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And I really appreciate it. Okay. You're welcome. All right, Joe. Thanks for the call. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. If you want to jump in on the conversation about Social Security or anything having to do with your own personal financial situation, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so going back to some of the uh, quote-unquote fun facts about Social Security, three different m main types, retirement benefits, survivor benefits, and disability payments, about 65 million people are receiving some form of benefit from the Social Security Administration. So that's about 20% of the population that is getting a check or direct deposit these days, um, from the Social Security Administration, either from retirement, survivor benefit, or from uh, being disabled. Now, I know for a lot of people, it continues to be a hot button issue about, will there be Social Security when I get there, when I'm eligible to claim a benefit? And it's our position that yes, Social Security will be there in some form or fashion. And no, it's not going to go uh, to zero. It's not gonna really run out of money. Um, yes, they do have to make some tweaks to the program in order for it to maintain its current level of benefits. And those tweaks will most likely fall on subsequent generations. So, um, 
If you are a beneficiary of Social Security today, if, say, you're a typical retiree in your 60s, it's most likely that your grandchildren or great-grandchildren will have to pay more into the system or accept a reduced benefit or have to wait longer in order to get a benefit than the current beneficiaries enjoy today. But uh, we cannot foresee a plausible uh, outcome where where Social Security uh, just goes away. So a lot of times younger people say, well, I'm not even counting on Social Security because it won't be there. Yes, it will be Imagine there. Imagine right? the uproar. Right. I, I, I can't conceive how <laughs> it's that It's not going be. away. It, it's too <laughs> now entrenched in our society, um, and too many people feel entitled to the benefit to allow that to, to go away. But the ch- changes will have to be made to the program. Right now, there's too much money flowing out of the system and not enough going in. So that will have to be recalculated. And that's where I say that subsequent younger generations will will probably have to pay more into the system or get less out of it or wait longer to receive a benefit than the current beneficiaries enjoy. So that's kind of how we see that going. Or there may be some sort of means testing. There could be means testing. I personally hope that that's not part of it because that well let's talk about that because a lot of people bring that up um if there is means testing to social security meaning that if you earn too much money or have too much money you might not get a benefit or you'd get a reduced benefit because you're quote unquote too wealthy if that becomes part of the equation to social security then it moves social security away from an entitlement pension type of plan to more of a welfare type of plan. And now you change the discussion in the United States over what is Social Security supposed to be about? What is it supposed to be for? Because certainly we already have welfare programs in the United States. Social Security was designed to help workers and their families have a dignified retirement and much like a pension plan people pay people and their employer paid into the system with the idea that they were going to get some uh, get that money back in retirement not just a handout from the government so i think i said that without being too political <laughs> and trying to stick to the facts but regardless that this has been great conversation thanks mm-hmm. for all our callers george paul todd john wayne joe that's uh, all the time we have for today we will be back in two weeks on tuesday may 24th for more information about us look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com and get an info packet find out what it's like to work with us um, or get the show as a podcast Search for Dollars and Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. For Certified Financial Planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. The preceding program was sponsored and paid for by Wealthway Financial Advisors. We are solely responsible for...